0: 26. Not a common place to go for Mother's Day, but we're going to be here in the book of Luke. Luke 126 starts out, and in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto the city of Galilee, named Nazareth, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph, the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came In unto her, and said, Hail, thou art highly favored, the Lord is with thee, blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at the saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God, and behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever and ever. His kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel, angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the Highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she shall also conceive a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed. You see, Elizabeth uh, was three months, what's it say there? Six months. She was six months ahead of uh, uh, Mary in her pregnancy. That would put John the Baptist, was the child that would put John the Baptist six months behind Jesus in age. And Mary, I'm going to go down to verse 46, and Mary said, my soul doth magnify the Lord after she went and seen Elizabeth and uh, they uh, had a blessing and she had a second witness from the angel. Verses thirty-nine through forty-five. Her Elizabeth maintained the second bl- uh, witness. Verse forty-six. And Mary said, "My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in my Saviour, for He hath regarded the low estate of His handmaid. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed, for He that is mighty hath done to great to me great things, and holy is His name." and his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation he has showed strength with the arm he has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts he hath put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree he hath filled the hungry with good things and the rich that he hath sent empty away he hath help hope, hope, his sovereign Israel, in remembrance of mercy, he, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever, and Mary abode with her about three months and returned to her own house. It's a wonderful story of the nativity, but it has a lot to do with uh, what some people would call the Holy Mother. I think oftentimes she's Mary, as an individual, is exalted too high in some denominations. But at the same time, we sometimes overlook her example to yes. us as a, both a mother and a spouse. And she was a wonderful person and uh, somebody we should all take pattern to emulate. And I say that to even the men. There's some examples here of uh, I've got listed seven, seven uh attributes of Mary and uh, some of these would all be applicable to men as well, but women should understand it probably a little better. Uh, I get a, this nation is does its great is doing some great dishonor to women right now with their gender identity crisis. Uh, they still I've never seen a man get pregnant. I don't think we will see it. They've already made movies about it though. Hollywood's leading the race in, uh, out of uh, Korea right now with a pregnant man. And uh, for acceptance in the culture, and uh, it hasn't happened, but they're priming us for that type of thing. I don't know if the Lord will Terry what will happen. But at the same time, it's very uh, much a disservice to females, yes. to ladies, Amen. to women, to uh, be counted... Uh, uh, As just gender identity, uh, if they identify with being those three names I just put out, if you identify with them, you're, you're considered to have an identity crisis by some. It's a terrible thing where our society is at. Let's look at the list of attributes, and I'll touch on them briefly. I won't be too long. And I'm gonna go with the second one, and the second one originally. And the uh, first thing that we can see from Mary is that she had great emotional control. She had to exercise a lot of emotional control. In this day and age, when we have drama queens, both male and female, uh, I've, seen, I've seen males get things accomplished with nothing more than drama and employ it regularly, and I've seen both genders do the same. But you see, here here was a lady, if she ever had a chance or an excuse for drama, it would be Mary. Yeah. She, uh, she uh, was never overwhelmed. I mean, what would you do if an angel showed up at your bedside or at your door and said you're going to be pregnant, and uh, you don't quite uh, comprehend how and why, and and then uh, left you off with that and put that burden on you. She had, uh, she had an opportunity uh, when she uh, seen the angel Gabriel. She had an opportunity to lose it when she seen Elizabeth there. And she had an opportunity even two years later when the wise men came and knocked at her door. So she showed us and demonstrated for us all along emotional control. As a lady, that's a hard thing to come by, I guess. It's hard enough for men, I understand, too. Uh, But we all go through circumstances for the Lord that we have to demonstrate emotional control. And uh, she got through it. I don't think any of Can you imagine the, well, we'll get there, the gossip and the stuff that went on? In her culture, they named a lot of people, well, like the Spanish culture right now, Jesus means Jesus. They're looking forward to a coming Savior, or they're looking forward to somebody to have birth of a name named Jesus. And uh, in Israel at that time, everybody was hoping to have a child named Jesus, that they could honestly name Jesus, that would receive the blessing of the church and the people. And here she comes up with it. What, What merits did she have? Her husband was a carpenter. In a very emotional time. The second thing she was, she was heroic servant. She was very submissive. She was submissive to God in this portion of scripture. She was submissive to God for her entire life, but she was very submissive to God. She was even submissive to the angel. I don't know. I think I'd have stabbed her with a knitting needle or him with a knitting needle or something. I mean, what would you do? If something like that showed up in your house. Then she was... Uh, submissive to her husband while he had her on the auction block, so to speak, while he contemplated what her future would be. You don't see her having a lot of conflict in here. It goes right to Joseph. There's things we can learn from men, too. Men can learn uh, to seek the Lord's will instead of working on our own emotions when we're in marital conflicts. This was a great trauma to that whole group of people there and especially to the newlyweds the newly coveted weds and uh there was something to be learnt on both sides of the fence for that matter she was submissive to the temple here she takes her child in in the next you know couple of verses here they take the child to the temple and uh, do the sacrifices for their purity and uh They didn't have to perform any sacrifices for Christ's purity, but there was a culmination of both a male and a female prophet that picked up the baby and proclaimed it as a child of God and prophetic aspirations were given to the child's place in uh, history and in the kingdom and so on and so forth. And she had to sit there and endure all that with people gossiping on the sidelines about how impractical and how unethical and everything else it was. When uh, She had to also show emotional stability in the first place, and she also had to demonstrate emotional control, and she also had to demonstrate a servant's attitude when they went to Jerusalem in the first place to be taxed. So she showed submission to both. God, the angelical beings, her husband, the temple, and the state. What a what a what a hard road to hoe. Yeah. Is what you would say. Number three. She pondered thought. Look at Luke two fifty one, chapter two verse fifty one. After the wise men came, verse two fifty one. Chapter 2, verse 51, it says, And he went down with them and came to Nazareth, and the subject unto them, but his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. How is it that you sought me? I must be about my father's business. That was after the wise men were there quite a ways. But uh, it was before the uh, Jesus in the temple, and after that. But she pondered what God had in our heart. Each one of us need to spend some time thinking about what Jesus and what God has to say to us and about us. Maybe we wouldn't have the anger, the revengeful attitudes, the bitterness we have if we all knew that we're all but sinners in God's eyes. When somebody sins against me, the first thing i got to figure out is, how I can stop from sinning. It should prick all of our conscience. And she being a woman and not in control in this society in this day and age of much, she had to justify a lot of things in her attitude and what she did with this child that was almost a pariah around her neck as far as what it was going to amount to or whether he would amount to anything or whether he was going to be considered a sped individual or what. And she's fighting with all that, and she had to contemplate what God would have her to do and what God would have her to be in these circumstances. How much time do we spend in our daily lives thinking about what God would have us to do? She pondered thought. The next thing she did was she was profound in humility. Look at Luke chapter 1, 46 and 48. Back a page or two, 46 and 48. After all that, so that opportunity for drama hit the fan, so to speak, in Luke chapter 1, verse 46, and Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. This is a pregnant woman, knowing that everybody in town is going to wonder why, how, what, where, and when. And there she is, magnifying the Lord in the, in the middle of a disaster. We sing great peace of they which love thy law, nothing shall offend them. We also sing great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Psalm 48, 1 and 2. And there she is, praising the Lord in the middle of a family crisis. Just got through it, just got through with the the being hit across the face with the, the facts and then was culminated with Elizabeth magnifying that and and being a witness to it also. And it was set, and there she is, for he hath re- regarded, the, regarded the lowest state of her handmaid, for behold, my from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. All generations will call me blessed. There's one reason they'll call her blessed. I've seen, I've counseled, and I've talked to ladies, who had children, who didn't know where they were, who had given them up. I've counseled with ladies who've had children that had died in the wars. I've had, have counseled with ladies that had heroes and bore heroes and and wonderful men of God and wonderful uh, successful men in their that their offspring have amounted to wonderful and successful men. And some of these attributes could be found, or the lack thereof in all of them. None of us are perfect, I realize that, but she had to demonstrate profound humiliation, humility. And uh, another aspect she had was purity. She was a young lady, probably attractive when the angel came to her. She was a spouse to Joseph, and she was pure. She was a virgin. My King James Bible says she was a virgin. A lot of them just say young maiden. There's a difference between a virgin and a young maiden. She practiced that virginity to the, and held it to the one who loved her. She later on had children, but she practiced purity. She was moral in character and nature, something that we often overlook in this day and age. When you meet somebody, a lot of times we get like two Banny Roosters and we walk around each other and we ask, all, well, where do you work? How much do you make? Especially men, victims of that. Where do you women fall in? How many children have you had? When have you had the children? How old are they? You've got great children. You've got great-great-grandchildren. It's all wonderful things. But she waited until the appointed time to start on that path. And that's a blessing in this day and age of experimentation and promiscuality. It's a blessing just to be pure as a woman. She went through the same moral dilemmas that all ladies go through. But she was pure when she was visited and kept herself pure. I just thought in this day and age, I got written in my notes, new form of birth control, purity. You know, there's one sure way of eliminating this abortion issue. That's what it's all about. It's really not about, well, it's it can be about killing someone, yes. But it's also about I don't have to be pure. I don't have to account for purity anymore. That's the real, uh, the evil part of it, the protest part. Uh, there's other reasons, sure. I'm not going to hit on all of them. But morality is an issue today. Morality is an issue today. She was a heroic partner. She was heroic in her patience. She was heroic in her purity, and she was heroic in her profound humility. You know, uh, in John chapter 2, verse 4, we read about when Jesus did his first miracle. Let's just look there very quickly, and then we'll uh, sum up our message this morning. John chapter 2, verse 4. You go, wow, you're jumping off. What do all these things have to do with me being a mother? Well, you just heard six reasons. This is the sixth reason. She had profound patience. And it was demonstrated at the miracle at Cana 9. Cana, the marriage, and uh the mother and the mother of Jesus was there and both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage and when they had wanted wine the mother of Jesus said unto him they have no wine Jesus said unto her woman what have I to do with thee mine hour is not yet come This is the most important thing Mary ever contributed to scripture other than by her actions We have denominations that hold her as esteem as the Trinity, but yet the only recorded thing she ever says in Scripture is in verse 5 of John chapter 4. His mother saith unto the servants, Whatever he saith unto you, do it. Whatever he saith unto you, do it. Six, seven words. Those are the most important words she could have said as a Christian. And that takes us as a person, as a woman. That takes us to the first and foremost issue that she had, the first and foremost blessing she had, and that was she had faith in God. When my wife and I go to foreign countries and witness about Jesus Christ, we often have to start from Adam and Eve and work our way up. Almost like Paul did when he talked to some of the people and we got the messages in scripture. You ever wonder why he's standing before the Hebrew people and reciting the whole history of their nation to them? He's starting from the beginning and showing them where Jesus comes into history. When you talk to somebody from a foreign country that doesn't have a Christian background, that doesn't know Jesus from uh, some uh, Bart Starr or Babe Ruth or some other famous athlete. In fact, they probably know them better. I've been in Countries where they know Coca-Cola before they knew about the Trinity of the Holy Scriptures. And you start, you gotta start from the beginning and work your way through. It has to start with the acceptance of faith. Genesis 1 1. You have to start at the beginning. And when I asked my mother where trees came from, she exercised that she had faith in a God. We go to some of the slums in the Harlems of Detroit. We've been in the slums of, of uh, Chicago. We've been in the slums of St. Louis. We've been in the slums of, uh, I want to get, Dallas, Austin. You've got to start from Adam and Eve and work your way through because they haven't heard the name Jesus a lot of them. They haven't had even the seed of faith planted yet. And some of those people, when you walk away from it, at least you've planted the seed. A mother's first and foremost responsibility and the easiest and yet the hardest thing for her to accomplish in her children's life is to establish the fact that Jesus Christ, God the Father, the Holy Spirit are part of the world. Right now we've got schools teaching them just the opposite. You're your own God. You can, you can, you can change your gender. It's just going to be a matter of time before they're going to be telling them they can live forever. No consequences for sin demonstrated right on through our government at this day and age. The most important thing a mother or a father can do is establish a faith in their children. You don't always reap rewards for it. It doesn't always work out the way you want. But your responsibility as a parent, as a mother you can stand before God and say, at least I told them where trees came from. That's not hard to do, is it? It's not hard to do. And yet it's really hard to do sometimes, isn't it? Because you have to admit where you stand with God. Let's all stand.